0: Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast, not affiliated with any particular 12 step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason and I'm an alcoholic and addict.
1: My name is Chris and I'm an alcoholic and addict.
2: My name is Ben, I'm an alcoholic and addict.
0: And welcome back to Sober Solutions podcast. Tonight is episode 27. And we have some special guests with us. We have Alan and Mindy, who, Chris, you know them pretty well. Why don't you introduce them?
1: Yes, I uh, met Alan during my IOP stint. Um, He's probably one of my closest friends in recovery. We talk a lot. And I feel like I know Mindy just through talking with him. So I asked them to uh, join our show. Excellent.
2: Excellent.
0: Well, welcome, Alan. Welcome, Mindy. Nice to be here, thanks for having us. Absolutely, we're excited to have you on. And you know, this episode, we're really going to start talking a little bit about what the relationship has been like. Um, Specifically, Mindy, I'm very interested to hear what it's like from your perspective. You know, Chris, Ben and I, we all know what it's like dealing with ourselves. Um, And we've had previous episodes on relationships and recovery, you know, family relationships, romantic relationships, relationships with self, so I think this is going to be a really uh, special, special episode for us tonight. But to get us started, Alan, you know I know you're in
2: recovery, and I'd love to hear a little bit about your story. Absolutely. Uh, so, not to get too much in detail, but <clears throat> uh, I started drinking at a wee age of about seventeen years old. Uh, so it's been a thirty-five year coming to this particular phase. Uh, about eight years ago. Uh, I decided to uh, start taking painkillers uh, through a friend of mine that I met in the area. Uh, we wound up meeting for lunch every day uh, and it wound up going from taking one pill, watching him take a pill. And I thought I'd give it a try. And the second I took it, uh, I fell in love, absolutely in love with it and uh, I can never do anything middle of the road. So that one day of pill uh, turned into two days of pill Well, from this, uh, friend that I became friends with uh, having lunch and then going to happy hour with. And that went on a eight year run uh, of doing painkillers. Now, I will tell you that uh, because I did not want to spend any money, didn't have any money to spend on painkillers and they were very expensive. uh, I wound up reconnecting with my sister uh, who uh, lived in the city. I worked in the city and I was over at a house one day and uh, saw her taking some pills. And when I asked her what she was taking, uh, she said, oh, I had back surgery for about 25 years ago. Uh, these are uh, Oxy painkillers, uh, but I have a ton of extra. Do you want any? And who am I to say no? So I started taking some of those and my sister became my drug dealer. Uh, and obviously I hid, I lied, I cheated, but to the outside world, I was this you know, business guy, uh, worked in sales. Uh, had everything for it, you know, going for him, had a wonderful wife, a great family. Uh, and it got to the point where I literally could not go to sleep or wake up without one of those pills. And from my wife's perspective or from my perspective, uh, I limited my alcohol. My alcohol was to my wife, non-existent and anybody who doesn't know anything about painkillers, she couldn't tell that I was on painkillers, uh, all day, every day for eight years. And so to her, I was limiting my alcohol. I was becoming less, in, you know, less of an alcoholic in her mind, and things were moving forward. Little did she know uh, that they were actually getting much worse because uh, I was getting addicted to painkillers. Uh, and so we get to the point where we would go out, and uh, I would take too many and start feeling sick, and always have to cut the night short and go home alone, and. Mindy would always say, you know, that's a little odd, uh, but never thought anything of it at any given one time. And when it came to uh, New Year's Eve 2019, going into 2020, we were at a friend's house and uh, I went home early again. She got a funny feeling. Uh, I woke up the next morning and she had found my pills in my backpack. And that was the best and the worst day of my life. I uh, had to admit to my entire family that was an addict, that was an alcoholic, and she basically said to me, you either go to rehab uh, or we're done. Uh, and it's been 21 months now uh, since I've uh, had a drink or a pill or any other mind-altering substance. So that is my story in a quick nutshell. That's amazing, and
0: congratulations on your 21 months. So, Mindy, um You know, we we got to hear a little bit of of Alan's story. Um, You have your own story. So what has it been like for you on this journey?
3: Part of it, which if you, you don't mind, Alan, I say I have a correction to something you've said that you were hiding from, he was hiding from the alcohol I didn't see. But even when Alan supposedly gave up the over drinking the drunkenness of the alcohol and switch to the pills, I always knew there was something wrong and not right with him, where if he recalls even I would say on many occasions, like, wow, you sound a little odd. Your thoughts are a little off. Did you have a drink maybe? Like, and he's like, what are you talking about? Smell my breath. So there was, I knew something was wrong with my life. My husband. I just didn't know what that thing was. It was right in front of my face. I just didn't know what it was because I couldn't smell the alcohol. So my story is um, I became used to living a dysfunctional life. I just didn't know why my life was so dysfunctional. And my story is that I retreated from a lot of my world socially and I basically gave up my and myself because I have, we have two fabulous children who are now 24 and 21, and they were in their prime, like middle school into high school, in Alan's heavy addiction with the pills, especially. So what I was doing was I was being mommy, daddy, providing financially, taking care of the house. And in order to do all that, I retrieved and I lost a lot of friendships and I didn't go out and I just always wanted the kids to think that they had this normal life with a normal mom and dad. And um, it got to a point where I think I went so against myself as a human being that I think I had many years of depression, just didn't realize it. Um, There were times where I even stopped working for a while because I couldn't work. I was so codependent that I would wake up early in the morning, make the kids breakfast, get them off to school. Alan would go to work. I would get back into bed, spend the entire day in bed, set the alarm for enough time to shower change. The kids would come home from school and I'd be like, oh, I had this day and that day and like it was normal, but I was obviously in my own depression.
1: My wife has said that many times. She said, you know, I basically retreated from my life and I knew something was off, but I couldn't figure it out. She thought, I remember her whole family thought I was gambling or cheating on her. Or I remember there was just like this list of things after I got back from rehab that she thought I was doing and it was everything under the sun except for what I was actually doing. And that whole feeling behind it, you know, I could imagine it's, you know, to be quite frank, pretty shitty, you know, you, you never know what is going on. Um, and Mindy, I'm going to come right back to you, but Alan, I guess through your recovery, can you go into the emotions that you've had through going through this last 22 months? And then I want to hear Mindy's side of that too.
2: Absolutely. So obviously starting from the beginning when, uh, I went to rehab and just getting out of rehab, uh, you know, I was a broken man. Uh, it started off like like anybody else in that position. This is not me. How can I have gotten to this situation? Uh, it has been a true roller coaster ever since. Uh, you know, trying to figure out the damage uh, that I have caused and the tornado wreckage that I have caused uh, since I have gotten back into the real world. Uh, It's just been an emotional roller coaster, Uh, trying to make up and trying to uh, be the man that you meant to be, uh, and trying to do the next right thing. So the whole concept of AA and recovery and the program was such a difficult concept to to grasp in the beginning. It just it seemed so far fetched to me. Uh, You know, I wasn't religious and I wasn't. You know it just seemed like a cult to me and there's no way these catchy little cliches one day at a time and you know this too shall pass and all this how can that help a recovering out and i will tell you that mindy and she could attest to this uh she gets annoyed at some of those cliches once in a while but they so help so emotionally uh it's getting better and better every single day. I am getting stronger. I am getting more confident every single day. Every experience that I go through where I know I could be sober, uh, just now I have that in my tape and it just, you know, my confidence just keeps getting more and more, especially with friends like you, Chris, and creating my sober network and just keeping and being present uh, and doing the next right thing for me and my family.
1: That's great. I know that you guys just uh, went to a weekend wedding and uh, you know you you were very proud that you went through the whole process and you were just saying how fun it was being present and sober the whole weekend. So Mindy through the pro Allen's last 22 months. I'm sure you as well have gone through a roller coaster. Can you touch on your emotions through his recovery process.
3: So My emotions also are a roller coaster where like, I'm like lunacy sometimes for me. There are days that I'm so good and then there are days that I'm just so scared to be so good. I'm used to being dysfunctional and I'm used to Alan doing something to, you know, to dupe me. And I think I built this wall around myself to protect me from Alan now. And as much as our relationship has the ability, don't forget, Alan and I are together 30 years. We'll be married 27 years in a few weeks. Um, So we started out this loving, fun, you know, living it up in the city. We were both on Wall Street. I was a party girl, but I always knew when to say no Um, and having fun and then getting married and having children and just, having this over the top husband and now he enters recovery and he's doing so well. And I'm so proud of him, but I'm so mad at him too. And I just don't understand how he didn't just put me and, and our children first and foremost and do everything that he said he wanted to do for us. So, you know, I'm just scared. I, I love him and I'm proud of him, but I'm scared of him. I'm scared that he's going to hurt me in some way or the kids or disappoint. So things are going so well and I'm so happy about them, but I'm afraid to be too happy. I'm afraid. I don't know how to be happy. I'm afraid. I only know how to live in like maybe this unhappy dysfunctional life sometimes. And I built this wall and I think I push Alan away from me sometimes because I'm afraid to get too close or, think that our relationship could be back to where it was 25. You know, don't forget, we're going through this over 20 years, two decades. So it's just a roller coaster for me. But I really am proud of him. He's doing amazing. And I really think maybe he could finally reach his potential and do what he always wanted to do as being successful in life and in business. and. Um, You know, that we could be that quote unquote partner like we should have been as a married couple, not just me being everybody's mom, including Alan's. I've been his caretaker for the past 20 years in a way and his advisor and giving him advice and business and this and social and everything. So now I just want to live that life or it's not meant to be, because I know I'm 54 years old, I'm going to be 55 soon, I've got to start living life or else, who you know, what's the point for me?
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Mindy. You know, I, I really hear the, the hesitation and the fear, but also the, um, the sense of hope you know, and the acknowledgement of all the hard work that Alan's been doing over the last 21 months, you know, I, I I hear both sides of it. And, you know, last week we did an episode with families and the same theme kind of showed up where there was this fear that, you know, whether it was Chris's mom or or Ben's mom, you know, they had that fear of that other shoe dropping, you know, so i i definitely think that that's real and and I applaud you for acknowledging that and working through that um so you you also mentioned um that you have children, and I guess this question is for both of you. um how has this journey impacted uh, your relationship with your children? um you know what's what's been their uh role in this? Can you talk a little bit about that?
3: The relationship has enhanced so much between Alan and our daughter, Samantha, who's 21, and our son, Zach, who's turning 24 next week. Um, Zach always had um, this friend who would just pacify him or um, coddle him. And Zach always wanted a little bit of tough love and a dad. And Zach and Samantha both, they have their dad. They have somebody that they could go to if it's not just mommy to go to. And they look at this as, it's so funny, when COVID started and they came home from college and I was like, you guys, you need to go see a therapist too and speak to someone between COVID and what you went through with dad and knowing that you have a father who's an addict, you guys are going through so much. And our son immediately answered saying, no, this isn't a bad time, this is good. Look how amazing dad is. I have a dad back and Samantha feels the same way.
0: That's absolutely beautiful. It really, really is. Alan, how about from your perspective, what's it been like for you?
2: Uh, Well, when I first stopped crying, I'll let you know. Uh, So it has been absolutely amazing. Uh, The difference in my relationship with my kids to me is 180 degrees. Uh, You know, the fact that I admit to them and, the fact that I could have an open and honest communication with my kids and my family now about addiction, right? When we first start going through this, the shame, the guilt, uh, you know, you feel less than, uh, but now because of the progress I'm making and how you know proud my family is, we literally can laugh and have levity about the addiction process, which to me helps so much having a little sense of humor during these uh, times. And so- we actually have talks. You know, I have talks with my kids about addiction. and and Honest talks. Honest talks, right. Correct. Honest and truthful talks. Uh, You know, uh, I ask for help uh, and do all the necessary things that I knew for my recovery, but my relationship with them has never been better. And uh, I believe that they're very proud of me and and they actually come to me now as opposed to just coming to Mindy.
1: Yes, you mentioned uh, in that, in those previous conversations, you both mentioned uh, some shame and guilt and roller coaster of emotions. Um, I guess for Alan, first, how do you help Mindy through the roller coaster? Like, obviously, you went to therapy, you went to IOP, you went to rehab, you're getting all this support and help. You talk to me, you talk to people daily. How do you help guide your wife or try to support her through this process?
2: Well, that's, that's a very good point because I always say, you know, us as addicts uh, get all that that support and, you know, we have our network, we go to AA, we get, uh, we have all these tools now that could get us through and our significant others, the damage we cause, you know, most of them do not uh, unless they go see a personal therapist. So uh, the way I try to help Mindy uh, is obviously try to listen to her. I'm getting Sometimes I'm not great, but I literally try to listen. And again, the word be present and take pauses when I am listening to her uh, and try to understand everything that she is going through or has been going through uh, and just be there for her in any way she wants me to be. I know that's a blanket statement, uh, but I'm trying to understand everything from her perspective. You know, so when she gets in those modes and and brings up the past uh, about the damage I've caused and everything, you know, so for me, I try to take that in and try to make those behavioral changes going forward. And I think if I could do that, it's almost like a living amends. Right. So all the the days in and day out of changes that hopefully she sees, that's the way I am supporting her in in her grieving process.
1: That's great. Um, And Mindy, I guess from your perspective, what. Has he done uh, well? And I don't want to see what what can he do better, but I guess what works for you? How, what kind of support from your spouse works through this roller coaster?
3: For me, what works is first that he's honest with me and truthful and if and it's okay to not be okay that he could come to me and tell me I'm not great. I'm not okay. And I even say to him sometimes call, call Chris, call whoever, you know, um, he doesn't really have a sponsor yet, but call somebody that could understand if you, or talk to me and maybe I will understand. um, And also allowing me to feel the way I feel. And, that way it validates my feelings that it's okay for me to have good days, bad days, and to listen to me and, and to let me speak. And so this way to try to understand me because there's a reason that I'm feeling some, the way I'm feeling for whatever it is, or even if it's not, you just, um, you just need to hear me and try to under, understand me as much as possible. Um, but, but a lot of it is also talk, talk. If It's okay to not feel okay. It's okay to be a little tired. I'll support you. It's okay to be frustrated at work. I'll support you, but you need to communicate. The communication is so key, the communication.
0: I absolutely agree. I think, you know, as an alcoholic and drug addict, my communication skills were stunted. For the decade plus that I was actively using, and I had to relearn how to talk to people. You know, I, I think part of it had to do with the fact that I hated myself so much that I didn't even feel worthy of being able to communicate with the person in front of me. So I really, really want to echo that that communication is absolutely key, and, and it's a learned skill. it really is. Um something else that you something else that you both touched on was, I think I heard this word damage, um something that I would call maybe resentment. So how have the two of you worked through resentment? Is there still resentment for either one another or for yourself? Um, but just tell us how that process is going and how you're working through that.
2: So resentment is a big part of our relationship. Uh, from from my perspective right uh i always say expectations are resentments waiting to happen uh you know it's very easy to get into the routine and say all right i'm doing so much better you know pat on my back the world owes me now and then when i stop and think about it's literally been 21 months compared to 30 years and so when i think about that I think about all the possible resentments that she has for me, right? Uh, And yeah, do I get resentful sometimes when she constantly brings up the past, uh, constantly brings up what tells me the same thing 32 times? Uh, Yes. Uh, But then again, I take a step back and I say, you know, it's almost the victim. Like, I kind of deserve it a little bit because I put her through this stuff all the time. Uh, And I just try to, My whole key now is trying to be peaceful and calm. So I personally feel she has more of the resentments towards me than the other way around. And I'm trying to navigate through that uh, when she starts feeling that way, if that makes any sense.
0: It it absolutely does, and I love your analogy. You know, you you were drinking and drugging for thirty five years. You're twenty one months sober. You know, I always use the analogy of if it takes you you know so long to walk into the woods, it'll take you at least that long to walk out of the woods. Um, I, I was right there with you, Alan. You know, I think I was three months sober, and I was looking at all of my friends and family like, "What? I'm sober now," and they're like, "Yeah." doesn't really work like that and so you know even now i'm i'm still trying to not necessarily prove something to people but i think as we continue to do the next right thing and the next right thing and the next right thing we're never going to go wrong and you know there are going to be days that we slip and fall you know in our personality sides but you know i think we're starting to build up that emotional emotional bank account with the people around us. So Mindy, how about you? Tell us a little bit about that concept of resentment.
3: Concept, I'm angry. I'm still angry. I I haven't gotten over the anger yet, honestly. Um, I try really hard. I try to really be positive. Um, I do have a lot of anger because even going back to what something you said before, Chris, about with you know, family members and this and that. Like, I had my parents saying to me all the time for 20 years, I just don't understand your husband. Why does he do the things he does? Why is he saying things like that? Why is he not, you know, listening or taking any advice or blah, blah, blah? And, you know, I would like, I feel like I would be reprimanded at times from my parents because of him. And um, I used to, always say this, what we do today is tomorrow's consequence. So whatever we do today is today's action is tomorrow's reaction. And I'm still, our life is so difficult because of all of those actions of 20 years. So it's hard not to be angry at times when, when things are so much more difficult for us in our middle fifties than all of our Friends in their mid fifties that are, you know, their kids are all graduating college and we're now starting to work again and starting to build. So it's, hey, I'm fucking angry. Yeah, I still am. But I am so supportive. I love Alan. I see so much good in him. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a smart guy. I support him. I always supported him. I still do, Um, and I feel that he really, really will be successful in life as whatever way he wants that success to be, and I support it, and um, breaking down that wall that I built a little bit, I think day by day, I think Alan, like I gave him 25 years to become sober, He's got to give me a little bit time to become a little less angry and um, understand me a little more. And he's also got to put me first and take care of me in the ways that I've taken care of him over these past 30 years. And we're, we're getting there. It's baby steps. It doesn't happen overnight. And again, like everyone's saying, this is 21 months out of 30 years. It's, know, it, it's gonna take time. It's a work in progress.
0: It, it definitely is a work in progress. Something that I, you know, have always ha- tried to tell myself, uh, especially since getting sober and really getting this concept, something I try and share with my sponsees, is baby steps in the right direction is still progress. So we, this is a journey. This isn't. This isn't a sprint,
1: and it's gonna happen one day at a time. During my using, I had this misconception a lot of times that we were having an amazing time and life was great. And then, you know, through the last 10 months, you know, with talking with my wife, I've come to realize that all those quote unquote good times weren't as good as I had the perception of. So I was doing damage. She was just being quiet. She was constantly worried, kind of like, you know, you're, you're, you were saying your emotions were Mindy. Um, one example was even on her honeymoon. I mean, every time we would travel, I would never bring enough stuff and I would get sick and you know, she thought I had a disease. Literally, that I couldn't leave the country. Like, it was to a point where I was just making stuff up and saying, "Oh, I have to go to a doctor because, like, you know, like the barometric pressures." And it was so far fetched, but it was it was so far fetched, but it made sense at the time. And I guess the the point of what I'm saying is, I was doing a lot of damage. And Alan, I guess. Did you know at the, you know, while you were using that you were doing kind of similar damage or did it kind of uh, flow out after rehab?
2: It definitely about 90% of it flew out of rehab at the time I was using uh, anything I could do to lie to cheat to to get my next happy hour pill, whatever uh, I did. And honestly, I did not think of the consequences at the time. I might've thought, oh, she might get mad at me or she might be pissed or or this. Uh, but at the end of the day, I thought I was just hurting myself. Uh, and it wasn't until after rehab that I truly understood the impact that I had on, on my loved ones around.
0: That, that, that hits me so hard because I had the exact same thought. You know, we we think that we live in this bubble, or at least I thought that I lived in this bubble. And I thought by drinking a liter of vodka a day, smoking and snorting crystal meth, like all of these things that I was doing to myself in my apartment by myself, wasn't affecting the people around me. And when I got out of rehab, I just got choked up. When I got out of rehab, my dad said to me, Jason, I was just waiting for that phone call that you were dead. And that hit me so hard. It hit me so hard and it opened up my world to this idea that other people were experiencing my addiction with me. At, at some different degree, but still in their own world, it was killing
1: them too. I'm really interested in Mindy, you know, you said you're still angry. What I guess it's two parted. What can Alan do to help you move past that? Or do you think you can move past that? Because unfortunately, I mean, for my wife recently, she literally said to me, she's like, I'm trying, but I don't know if I can. And that was pretty shitty to hear, obviously. But, you know, she's being honest and You know, you also said at one point, you know, maybe it's not meant to be. But I guess what do you have to see or, you know, is it time or kind of elaborate on that?
3: Well, as you people say, one day at a time, it's also one day at a time for us, the spouses, the parents, the significant others, the codependents. So there are good days, there are bad days. There are days that I sometimes feel too little, too late. And also don't forget, this is, we're in our mid-50s. So it's also where it's been a long, long time. But what could Alan do? Alan's doing it. Alan is sober. Alan's confronting me. Alan's being honest with me. Alan's trying to listen to me. Alan's trying to communicate better with me. But Alan is being sober and honest. And as long as Alan continues to flourish and do what he needs to do to live the life that we always said we were going to live together, I'm here. I'm here like I always was. I, you know, look, I never, I never walked out I never walked out. Maybe I felt like walking out at times. And maybe I said some, and hey, I'm a Staten Island girl. So the Staten Island comes out of me at times. Like, you don't know. So yeah, maybe I'm really harsh and say some horrible things at times. And sticks and stones, yes, words do sting though. But they are words. And actions speak louder than words. And I think Alan sees in the actions, I'm supporting him every day in what he's doing career-wise, social-wise, and I'm trying to help him. And I'm just trying to live the best life we could possibly live together as long as he is doing his part in his sobriety.
0: That's fantastic. Um, so my last question for the two of you and you can decide you know, uh, who wants to go first with this one, because I think you bring both perspectives and unique perspectives. So to both you, uh, Alan and Mindy, what's one piece of advice, Alan for the person who's going through the recovery program, Mindy for the spouse or partner of someone going through the recovery program, What's one piece of advice you'd give someone who's new to recovery?
2: All right. Well, I'll I'll take the first uh, try at this. Uh, The biggest thing that has helped me that I could give my piece of advice to everybody uh, is the word temporary. Everything in life, the good, the bad, and everything in between, the feelings you're having is temporary. Uh, So if you're feeling, you know, down if your spouse is mad at you if you know you had bad day of work uh you know those times those emotions used to be like well I'm grabbing a drink I'm grabbing a pill because we wanted to escape if I take a pause and literally say to myself this is temporary it will pass it does and I'm on to the next and I don't have to drink and I don't have to drug uh even when uh my family is mad at me. I know that that will pass. And if I just do the next right thing, it, it, it will pass. So that to me is my, my biggest piece of advice. Uh, it also goes along with patience, right? Knowing that and having patience, which sobriety has given me patience that I've never had before. Uh, I am so much more even keel. Uh, and with that, uh, I believe that's my biggest piece of advice. Awesome. Thank you, Alan. How about for you, Mindy?
3: For me, it's hard to give advice because a lot of what I did over the past 20 years were really for our children and I wouldn't change anything I did. I wouldn't have left the situation. Um, I wouldn't have left Alan because I don't think our children would be who they are and where they are if I didn't sacrifice my life to give them what I gave them. and. But there's a part of me advice-wise that tells people don't necessarily sacrifice yourself to the degree that I did because um, I did a lot of destruction to myself um, mentally and physically. And um, it's hard. It's hard. I, I feel hypocritical. There's a part of me that says, you know, just be true to yourself. The most you could do is support and help which it is the most you could do. But if you really feel so trapped and so unhappy, then you have to do what's best for you and you, your children can still be great. Or if you're single, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if I could give the greatest advice.
0: I, I think that's a great piece of advice, be true to you. And not only for you, know, you being the spouse of someone who's in recovery, but also for us as alcoholics and addicts. Be true to you. And I think that is excellent advice for everyone all around. Well, Alan, Mindy, thank you so much for your time tonight. It was really a pleasure getting to speak with you and know you, get to hear about both of your perspectives. I think you brought some really great information to our viewers and we hope that you have a wonderful evening.
1: Thanks so much.
3: Thanks for Thanks having everyone. us. It was great. Yes. And good great luck night. to all of you guys.
1: Thank you for joining. It was great. So Chris,
0: what do you think? I think they were excellent guests, but I'm really interested to hear,
1: you know, how you related to Alan's story because you have so much in common. Yeah, I mean, the first day I walked, the first day I got out of rehab and went to IOP, Alan, I remember I was a mess and Alan actually pulled me aside and I talked to him for a while. There was actually like three people. Alan was one of the three and I went to my IOP days knowing that he would be there. And, you know, on one side of my brain, I remember thinking, oh, this, you know, I know how to recover because, you know, I've been there so many times and it was his first time and I am so proud of him. And honestly, through this journey, he's grown so much. I've, you know, we, we do have a similar story. He's, I don't know, 20 years older than me. Um, and if, if you ever get to hear his actual story, he has some crazy ones in there, but, um, honestly, what I do relate to a lot is his relationship with his wife. Um, the fear, you know, we, we talked with them about fear. We talked with them about waiting for the shoe to drop. And that's kind of the state I'm in now. You know, my wife is supportive, but she's also, you know, has one foot slightly out just, you know, just in case. So she doesn't look bad. Right. So I definitely relate to their relationship and their dynamic.
0: Yeah. I think it's kind of a, um, defense mechanism of sorts. Our, our family and our loved ones, our partners, our spouses have been hurt so many times by us that you mentioned it, that fear. is something we heard a little bit in, in our conversation with them. We didn't touch on too much, but I can imagine the fear that they have. One for Alan, who has this fear of relapse or fear of hurting his wife more or his children more. And his wife having this fear of what if he does relapse? What if I you know, say something or get angry and how he's going to react to that? So it's, it's a real thing. And unfortunately, fear is the root cause of all of our character defects, you know? And it's, it's how do we deal with that that we're able to get through
1: the day, you know? What I also love is his story is one of, of hope, you know, he's in his fifties drinking and drugging for 35 plus years. And it took one time to go to rehab, to learn a different way and to recover. And I say, you know, one time, hopefully it's one time, but he's 22 months sober. And if that doesn't give you hope, then nothing will. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, when Mindy was talking about
0: um, her, her idea of, I just wish he did this for me and the kids, all I wanted to say was, I wish it was that easy. You know, I, I've had my ex-husband, ex-boyfriends, my father, my sisters all say the same thing to me. Why can't you do this for us? And I've tried to do it for them. I tried to do it for a job. I tr- everybody under the sun except myself but when I did it for myself, I got it. And I don't mean that I got it for good because I try to live one day at a time, but I got this seriousness of it. Yeah, and you got it
1: today too. I
0: got it today. And you know, to hear that Alan has 21 months sober and this is his first go round, like that's, that's badass right there. It really is. Awesome. Well, I think that's a great place to stop. Please thank Alan and Mindy again for us And as always, each and every one of our episodes is dedicated to the still sick and suffering alcoholic and addict, especially the individual who's going to pick up for the first time tonight. Have a good night. Have a good night. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast, or you can shoot us an email to Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.